Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O-Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, carpe diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Maybe health and wellness and public health is something I like, something I'm good at. And then the storytelling component, it's all storytelling. It's telling stories that connect people and help people see that uh, there are just some universal issues. We want to be happy and healthy and well. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Joel Bush, Chief of External Affairs at Girl Trek. Before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your feedback means so much to us. Make sure that you leave a rating and review. Five stars are always great. All right, everyone. Jewel is an award-winning journalist and communication strategist with more than 20 years of experience. Her journalism has appeared in the Washington Post, the Times Picayune, the Courier, Uptown Messenger, and Next City. She has won numerous awards, including distinctions from the Louisiana Press Association, the New York Times Regional Media Group, and American Association of Sunday and Features Editors. The New Orleans native has covered international stories in places like Haiti and Palestine. Her fiction and creative nonfiction has appeared in Dismantle, an anthology of writing from Bona Voices Writing Workshop, The New L'Oreal Review 26, and Transition Magazine, our Harvard Journal on the African Diaspora. Jewel is an alumni of Vona Voices, the only multi-genre workshop for writers of color in the country, and the Kalalu Creative Writing Workshop. She is currently the Chief of External Affairs for Girl Trek, the largest health movement and nonprofit for Black women and girls in the country. Jewel, welcome to Business of the Beat. It is so great to see you live. I know we've like talked on the phone, but to see you is just an amazing experience. And I'm so excited about this. Like I was introduced to you and Girl Trek through literally, I would say one of my closest friends of over 22 years, Davida Smith, who is such an advocate. She was just doing content for you guys. She's always talking about Girl Trek. So I'm excited to learn more about you, your personal mission and the organization. So welcome. 
Thank you for having me. And I just have to say, Davida is the homie. There are so many connections that I have amassed probably over a decade, not quite 22 years, but uh, but a <laughs> lot. She's just good people. She's just, she. we call each other our moon sisters because we both are cancers. So I love Davida dearly. Oh, I, it's so nice when you have people in your life who genuinely care and want to make connections and who are yeah. constantly just like thinking about you, thinking about the world, thinking about how to bring all the worlds together. So Moon Sisters is absolutely it. So let's jump in. Um, you are just fascinating. Your work, your advocacy, just it's amazing. And this career and as a writer, award-winning writer. So Tell us about, like, I know you're from New Orleans, but tell us everything and the evolution of where you are today. Yes, yes. You know, um, so right now I am the chief of external affairs at Girl Trek. And for those who don't know, Girl Trek is the largest health movement for Black women in the country. Right now we're at about wow. 1.5 million members across the world. It's so amazing. we're not in the U.S. And so what Girl Trek is, it's something very simple. It's walking. It's Black women practicing radical self-care. And that's what it is. It's a mission to for us to save ourselves. And I love the work that I do. I tell folks that I get to wake up every day and uh, work in the land of Black girl magic. And I don't say it because it sounds cute and fun. I say it because it's the truth. I work for yeah. Black women. I work with Black women. And through serving the organization, I'm actually serving myself because I too am a black woman on the planet wanting to live my healthiest, most fulfilled life. So, I mean, I'm working directly for myself. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting because when we think about what brings us into our careers, right, you know, it's the ability to say, what touches me deeply and personally? And how do I move that into a place of a career of profit for myself and for my family? And so I love how you grounded in, you believe in the mission, but you are, you're a black woman and you're working for black women and you're supporting black women. And how do we make sure that we are protecting black women through the lens of wellness? And for you, was it always kind of part of your journey? Like, where did you see yourself, especially being a writer, to kind of move into this place of wellness? Well, you know, I did not connect the dots at first. It's truly been a journey, Kendra. So I started my career 20 years ago in daily newspapers as a feature writer. Back when people subscribed to newspapers, they came to your home, you read the actual paper. You know, it wasn't really this online presence like it is now. So I've always loved writing. I won my first essay contest in first grade. I still wow. have the trophy, still very proud of that honor. And so I knew that I wanted to tell stories. At one point, I remember writing in my sixth grade journal that I wanted to make documentaries for PBS. And so I just knew that storytelling was something that I was going to do somehow. And um, I, I saw myself as a writer. So I was able to work for a New York Times-owned newspaper, did that for seven years. Right when newspapers and subscription rates were plummeting, advertising rates were plummeting. And so I just really decided at that moment to leave full-time newspapers. But I never left storytelling. I never left journalism. But I did leave working for a full-time newspaper. 
And from there, I went into nonprofit work, into doing communications for nonprofit organizations. And so even though I was telling our feature stories as a feature writer, there was still this thing about being objective. So I, it wasn't straight editorial, right? So being able to work for mission-based organizations was a way for me to storytell and to really put my beliefs out there. I've worked for some really great organizations that I care about very deeply. The American Cancer Society. I loved working there so much because the work that they're doing is truly, truly saving lives. No one's life is unimpacted by cancer, the C word, like no one. We all have been touched by that in some way, personally, directly, just our community. It's deep. So I love that. Left there, went to work for SEIU, which is the Mm -hmm. largest service workers union. And Mm -hmm. I talked about workers' rights, was in labor. And that was not easy work because people don't want to see the union coming. Like not not the union, (laughs) but I mean, I believe very dearly in the union way of life. I'm the product of it. my, My father worked for the railroad. I mean, we were a middle class family and our health benefits, his retirement benefits were all union negotiated. And so I came up in that way, not even knowing it then. And so from there, I worked for Planned Parenthood, big advocate of women's reproductive rights and reproductive justice. And then from that work, been over to Girl Trek. It wasn't until I had probably stepped back and looked at my career post leaving journalism full time and realized that I had been in public health communications without even wow. being intentional about it. That was just mm-hmm. the work. I was led there. I was truly, truly led there. The positions that I've been in, I was recruited and just, you know, working with people and say, hey, are you looking? Come over here. What about this? And opportunities really just came to me. And I really probably about five or four years ago, I really stepped back and I was like, wow, maybe this is my niche. (laughs) Maybe health and wellness (laughs) and public health is something I like, something I'm good at. And then the storytelling component, it's all storytelling. It's telling stories that connect people and help people see that uh, there are just some universal issues. We want to be happy and healthy and well. I love that. We want to be happy, healthy, and well. And, you know, I, I love how you talk through your career and kind of how at the end it all fit. And it was like, wait a second, I am doing something around public health. And there's this connectivity to unions that was rooted in my father and my family and organically and divinely it all came together. And I think that, you know, so many of the people who listen to the podcast and reach out to me, whether they're, we like to say entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, they're all building something and they're all building like, what is the platform? What is my narrative as this person in this role? And so I love how you can succinctly put it into this place of, again, going back to the passion, but like, where has all of this led me to and being able to wrap it? Like it's, it's a very, very powerful thing. And even when you think about kind of the stepping stones, you know, from union to Planned Parenthood to Girl Trek, were you in this place of kind of, I'm looking at women's reproductive health, I now want to move into the physical being of wellness and how it's connected. 
Or what was that draw for you when you looked at Girl Trek and said, okay, I'm ready to take the next leap and I've kind of grounded in this health initiative? Well, you know, pure selfishness, pure <laughs> selfishness. And when I say that, I say it like kind of flippantly, but it's the truth. Like I wanted to work specifically for and serve specifically Black women. And so Girl Trek provided that opportunity. And I mean, I love humanity. I love people of color, but I wanted to serve myself and I am a Black woman. And so Girl Trek made sense. I had never been hiking. <laughs> I was like, I'm too grown and sexy to be walking. I was like, I can swim. I will swim walking. I don't know about that, but it all made sense. You know, I'm from Louisiana. I'm from the flatlands. I'm like hiking in the Rocky Mountains. You know, I'm hiking in a high Atlas Mountains in Morocco. So to be able to change the scenery and to take in nature in ways that I'd never even imagined. And also, too, to show up outdoors with my popping red lip, looking and feeling <laughs> good and just really showing up in ways that people are like, wait, 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 Black women are supposed to be outside like this. They're not, they're not supposed to be hiking or practicing the leave no trace principles or, you know, swimming or doing all of this stuff. And so to me, in showing up, I realized that it was essentially a political act for us to be outdoors and have a relationship to the outdoors that's rooted in leisure and pleasure and not labor and work. Wow. You know, it, it's fascinating because, you know, we talk about history, heritage, generational wisdom, right? But also generational traditions that have kind of plagued us. And so I love this notion of as a Black woman, no, we do want to take care of ourselves. We, we can swim. My daughter is like an avid swimmer. And I've had so many conversations about that. And so many of my girlfriends have been like, don't let her swim. You're going to mess up her hair and, and all these things that we've been, that have been placed upon us. Right. And yeah. so I love it to see black women. We can walk. We do care about ourselves. We can wear our pop and red lip, as you say, but at the end of the day, we know that we have to take care of ourselves and we need to expose ourselves mentally and physically to the mountains, to the new terrain, because all of that plays into overall well-being. And why can't we have that just because of the color of our skin or what we've been told we should be doing or not doing? Absolutely. You know, we can shed this historical narrative that we can't swim because we want to mess up our hair. Like now we can get us a real fly fitted Swim cap. <laughs> That's what we can do. And swimming, aside from the walking and the hiking, swimming is something that's so important to me for those very reasons, Kendra, that your daughter is swimming. Because just the historical, we've been locked out of swimming. It's a, you know, yeah. no pools in our neighborhoods or just whatever the case may be. So swimming was something very near and dear to me. And I looked at um, a couple of years ago, activities that are good for your heart health and that you can do as you age. Yes. And yes. swimming was on the list. And that's when I decided to seriously take up swimming. And for me, I have an 18 year old son and he was able to swim and in the pool taking lessons before he was potty trained. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can't walk, but you can swim. <laughs> yeah. 
and that served him well. I mean, for three summers throughout in high school, he was a lifeguard. And I mean, so these are life-saving skills. And this summer there was like a lifeguard shortage. So I was like, I'm so glad that I had enough foresight 18 years ago to be like, you're going to be swimming. He did swim team. And so I'm all about us turning this old narrative on its ear and showing up in all of the ways. Well, and, you know, you talk about showing up, you talk about foresight And I think that that foresight is so key. I I was listening to an interview that you did on ABC. And one of the quotes was 137 Black women die every day from preventable illness. That's illness such as preventable heart disease. And it really touched me. My own personal journey, I've been seeing doctors and I'm on this whole new plan. And I'm like, but I'm healthy. But there were all these little things that... Mm -hmm as I put together my grandmother having Alzheimer's and diabetes and the doctor who is Hispanic, he said to me, he said, you know, our communities, we have the highest numbers of obesity and death for things that we can treat. And as I listened to you and read the article about you saying that it just hit home because we have to have the foresight to break the old narratives, to take care of ourselves so that we don't have these, you know, lower mortality rates in terms of how long we're going to live. Like we want to live a long, healthy life. It goes back to what you said about being healthy and happy. So, so talk about that as it relates to your personal mission, the mission of the organization and, and just these stats and what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. The stats are heartbreaking because like you said, this doesn't have to be. This is not our destiny. We can walk this away. We can, you know, change our diet. We can, you know, go for a walk. I mean, if you are able-bodied, you don't need special equipment to walk. You can walk outside your front door. You don't have to have a gym membership or anything like that. You can walk. And so we say walking is that first practical step to leading a happy, healthy life. And so for me, You know, like I view myself as I'm relatively healthy, but of course there are things that I could do better as you get older, you know, your metabolism slows down, you, you know, are more prone to injury, you know, you may need more motivation than when you were younger. And so we can create new traditions and healthy traditions and pass them on to our sons and our daughters. And it doesn't have to be diabetes and, and, you know, poor eating habits and, oh, we don't work out or no, we don't want to exercise or we don't want to sweat. You know, I am in New Orleans right now. It is a million degrees. (laughs) It's probably on the thermometer, a million degrees, but I was able to put on my sunscreen, get a visor and get 30 minutes in, in my neighborhood. And I use that time, you know, I'll have a conversation with my mom, catch up with friends, maybe have some walking meetings. Meetings, or maybe listen to a podcast. I'm like a really big fan of The Office. So there's like a podcast that goes behind the scenes and like, you know, for total office geeks. So I listen to that. <laughs> total office geeks. I listen to the podcast, love it dearly. And like you said, these things, they don't have to be. Like our communities are dying faster and earlier. Mm-hmm 
than any other community from preventable illness. And a lot of it can be attributed to uh, societal woes, our worries. You know, I have to figure out how I'm going to make my rent. It's August, you know, it's it's almost the end of the month. How am I going to pay my rent? And so all of those factors, um, lack of access to health care, yeah. uh, gentrification, all of these things, it's an, another layer and burden for our communities. And so we have to shed that, go through that hurdle, and then we can get to the leisure of, you know what? I'm not, I've worked a 12 hour shift. I do not feel like going for a walk. I do not feel like moving my body. I just want to crash. And you know what? There are going to be days where that is okay. Indulge yourself, but that can't be the normal. That can't be the everyday vegging out, not eating well, not moving your body, not sweating, not being intentional with your self-care. That cannot be our tradition. Wow. It really cannot. And it can't be our tradition. It can't be the tradition of our children and their children, because we will wipe out a whole society for no reason at all, other than we had these chains that we felt like we couldn't break and we didn't want to overcome them. And I and I think that that's really where the mission of Girl Trek in terms of, like you guys say, all you have to do is walk 30 minutes a day, every day. To your point, it was too much. You couldn't do it. Get back up the next day and do it. And it makes you feel better. Like, the endorphins, the ability to be outside. I like to say that within two hours of waking up every day, I force myself to be in the sun because Mm -hmm. I see this psychological difference in terms of energy, how I feel, you know, when I'm not doing that. And I think when people start to feel it, especially in such an easy way of walking, like there is fundamentally no barriers to that. No race, no class, no society, no nothing to it. And I know when we were first talking, cause you've been a girl Trek five years. So this is a long time, six years, six years. So when we first met, we were talking about the mission for, to reach your goal of a million. You crushed that. When did, when did you, you crushed that a, a few years ago? No, actually it was last November. Okay. Right dab in the uncertainty of the pandemic people were looking to connect and so many activities and things that we as a society were doing like travel like travel and moving going to things things were closing and didn't i mean it was a wake up call it was like what are we going to do we can't just sit inside and so walk and so more and more people were turning to us seeking our resources and wanting to walk we created this checklist of 100 radical acts of joy. And it was all activities that could be done alone or be done socially distanced. Because we know that while it's important that we uh, maintain a, a, a level of physical distance to be safe. We didn't want people to de- disconnect socially because that can be traumatic, detrimental. We wanted to continue to build community and nurture community, and so we created the, the resource, the hundred and uh, the hundred radical acts of uh, joy. We created uh, the Black History 
bootcamp podcast. Mm -hmm. It's 21 day increments of conversations about historical black figures and little known uh, cultural moments in black history. And while Girl Trek unapologetically serves the needs and desires of black women, we recognize that we don't live in this world alone. We don't live in this world alone. It takes all of us. It takes allies. It takes friends. No one goes this thing called life alone. And so we opened that up to our community at the community, the global community, and people Mm -hmm. loved it. And I tell people, I said, black history is everyone's history. So, you know, log on, dial in, take a walk, learn about Cicely Tyson, you know, Mm -hmm. learn about Rosetta Tharp. Learn about these women, Ali Morris. And so join us. And so that served us really well. People wanted to feel connected and go for a walk. And we provided that tool. Oh, I love it so much because it's so important. And it's the little things that helped us all get through. So when we think back and we reflect I just, I think about being able to just get outside and walk, like love my family. Where do we go? I'm going to walk. And it really also, it awakened this love of like podcasts for me, honestly, because I was listening to podcasts. I was walking, I was doing calls, you know, the zoom fatigue. And I was finally like, I got to get out of this chair and I just got to walk and I can still get done what I need to get done, but I can change my environment. And I love what you said in terms of like, we don't live in this world alone because we don't. And in order for, when we talk about equality, racism, economic opportunity, inclusivity, it takes allies and friends in the global community, exactly what you said. And the role of allies and what you're doing, what I'm doing, what we're all trying to do is so crucial. And even for you all, I mean, Girl Trek is built and it's this amazing entity, but you guys have great supporters. You have phenomenal allies that are outside of the black community. And it's exciting. I know you were kind of sharing a bit with me, but I think this notion of allies and friends is crucial. And it's the only way that we truly move forward as a people. Absolutely. You know, this was a couple of years ago, I was at an event in a housing development in New Orleans for Essence Music Festival. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're out there with the table, you have your trinkets out there, you signing people up and people are kind of like walking around trying to see, oh, what's over there? What's for free? Can I get a (laughs) t-shirt? It was like these middle-aged men came up to the table and it's like, what's Girl Trek? And so I asked them this question, this me being from the South, being from New Orleans, being kind of smart mouth. I was like, well, do you love black women? And they were like, of course we love black women. <laughs> you know, they were offended at the question. I was like, well, you know what, sir? This is the organization for you. And so I began telling them about wow. Girl Trek, gave them a t-shirt and they loved it. They were, I, I meet people on planes, you know what? My mom needs to walk with Girl Trek. My sister, my wife, my daughter. We have like the black men support Girl Trek. They really, really do. They buy their family members, significant others, the Girl Trek shirts. They buy themselves the Girl Trek shirt. My brother-in-law steals my sister's Girl Trek hoodies all the time. (laughs) Wears them to work, posts pictures. And if you love black women, Girl Trek is for you. Wow. It's so funny. I love that. If you love black women, Girl Trek is for you. And and we have to talk about the merchandise too, because 
I've told you, my daughter swears, loves, it's her favorite Girl Trek t-shirt that you sent her. It is, she just loves it. And I love it. It's like a black female superhero. And it is just, every time she wears it, it makes me so proud because seeing is believing is becoming, thanks to our guest area. And that's my favorite thing. And it, it just, it tells the whole story and you see it and you instantly get it, right? And you instantly know who you're supporting. And so I love that. I love that because we just, we went, we can't do it alone. And I know like, as we get close on time, I do want to talk about some of your other work, which I think it goes into very much what we've been talking about. But I was reading that you were also part of a comms professional group called Radical Communicators Network, and that there's 5,000 members and you are focused on everything from sexual violence and harassment, reproductive justice, income inequality, immigrants. And so I was just so moved by this. And I mean, Jewel, you were just, you are Jen, like truly your work and what you're doing for everyone else. Like I'm seriously getting teared up because again, like being in my own personal, I'm just like, wow, like all the people that are doing so much to help us better ourselves, right? To help us better ourselves, to help us better our communities and to fight for the rights of others. So I love that you're doing this. Um, talk a little bit about that and if there's support that we can provide you on that mission as well. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, as someone who is a doer, oftentimes I'm doing it and not thinking about it because it's really truly what I'm charged and led to do. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. I appreciate that. Oh. So Radcom. So yes. Back in November 2016, the world changed and uh, the RADCOMS network was born out of the that election. And so it's a, a, a group of communicators who are challenging the status quo, who are taking storytelling and narrative creation to a whole new level. I mean, it's 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 a beautiful network. I was talking about it earlier today. I'm fortunate enough to be connected in this network. And right now it's shape shifting and it's growing. It's communicators. It's volunteer base. So it's really people sharing resources, not hoarding resources and knowledge and doing that from the heart really, really from the heart. And so it's one of those organizations where you can put out on the listserv like, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z, and then you'll be inundated (laughs) with responses and like good stuff, like really, really good stuff. It's so much more than a message board. It's really the work that we're working to do is to change storytelling. And really, you know, media is a mammoth. Yes. It's it's so much. There's new media, traditional media, digital media, all of it. And we really want to cut through the noise yeah. and tell stories with intentionality and not just tell those stories, but train up other communicators and other yes. communications professionals in that way. And so, like I said, it's shapes shifting. It was a passion project started by Chanel Matthews back in 2016. And 
I've been involved on some level from the very beginning, but recently I was like, I want to do more. How can I take my 20 years of communications and journalism and public relations and really use it to help other people and to just share what I know? I mean, mentorship is so important. And anyone who says that they just jumped off the porch fabulous, I'm like, (laughs) kudos to you. But I guarantee you, someone inspired you, someone helped you directly or indirectly. You saw something, you read something, you you just didn't, you know, like you are inspired. And I have actually, I have two mentors. I have a mentor under 30 because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to know what's popping. I need to know what's going on. (laughs) I need to have my finger on the pulse of what's coming up you know, that's outside of my everyday. And I have mentors who are older than me, who have been uh, in career longer than me. I just look at mentorship as an opportunity for people to learn from one another at every stage of the journey. You know, you can even say my son may be a mentor of mine, because when I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Gen Z, I'm like, hey, so what's this? (laughs) What's that? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to know. I can't be a communicator at this age and not going actively to other demographics and other generations. I mean, you know, I you know, Gen Gen X is the ish, but it's not the only generation I need to know what's going on. Oh, I mean, so many things that you touched on. Mentorship is key. I mean, no matter what, any everybody has had somebody who they have looked up to, have they been inspired by and who they've learned from. Even if it's a teacher, you didn't even get through grade school, elementary, high school on your own. And you certainly didn't progress in your career without somebody or something. And that comes in so many different forms. And I do believe there's such an important piece. You said it mentorship. You also said train up. And one thing that I, I love about Girl Trek is that it is, it's about black women, but you also do a lot for girls. And it really is like, you're, you're talking to young girls and kids and you're training them up and mentoring them so that they can see a health and wellness lifestyle all the way as they become women. And I love that how, you know, mentorship plays into so many different areas, but Girl Trek truly is for all people. If you think about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And little known fact, it's called Girl Trek because it started out as a hiking group, a hiking club for girls in K through 12. One of the founders, Morgan Dixon, she was a classroom teacher. And so she wanted to help and make a difference. So she started taking her students hiking. And then her longtime friend, Vanessa Garrison, came along and was like, that's nice and all. But let's not forget about their families and the women at home. And so they took those two concepts and now Girl Trek is what it is today. Oh, my gosh. I did not know the history. Thank you for sharing that. It makes so much sense. And it also speaks to we need each other. We can't do it ourselves. How do we take one idea, partner it with another idea, create this brain trust of ideas that then lead to 
to greatness, which is what you all have built. So I'm so thankful to have you on the show today. We have one last question. And I ask all my guests because selfishly, we talk about being selfish. It helps me figure out what I'm buying, but it's also great for our listeners. So we always end with what's one brand that you're excited about um, that's helpful that our listeners should check out. So I don't even have to think about this. I love the natural hair care line, Mayel. Yes. It is started by a Black woman. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, once I discovered her Babasu and Mint Deep Conditioner, I love it so much. I'm telling you, I have tried just about everything in the line my son steals my hair products. I recommend them all the time. I was talking to one of his friends just yesterday and she was talking about a TikTok trend about this oil. I was like, I have it. Here it is. I went to my bathroom, pulled it out. I'm like, they need to just go ahead and hire me to be an ambassador because these <laughs> curls, like this is my O. This is like straight up. My it's so good. Look, it's selfish so good. Plug. Selfish love. Myel, get at me. Get at me. Oh my gosh. I love this. Myel, uh, we, my agency Brain Trust, we worked with Myel for years um, through Sally Beauty. And I am such a Myel family. Like the deep conditioning, Rosemary Mint's amazing. And, you know, shout out, Myel raised $100 million in funding. Like they truly are. The unicorn. When we talk about Black women and funding and the lack of funding for us, the less than 1%, the under 100 that have raised more than a million dollars. Like it is just fantastic what Monique and the team have built. And so I love that you shouted them out. It's a perfect success story. And thank you so much. I am so excited. I'm ordering my daughter's t shirt. I'm joining Davida and a Girl Trek walk. And I can't wait to put on my Girl Trek t-shirt and get out and start walking. So with that, every week, I like to share an influencer that I'm checking out. And this week, inspired by both Jewel and myself, please check out at Davida Chanel. That's at Davida Chanel, D-A-V-I-D-A-C-H-A-N-E-L. And I'll leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that's How will you learn at every stage of your journey? How will you learn? How are you learning? And how will you continue to learn at every stage of your journey? So make sure that you follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Make sure that you leave a rating, review five stars, and follow and subscribe. Thank you so much. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fish Mar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.